morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to Wow What a Show. My name is Phyllis and I am the host of this show, which is the live outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. I'm so glad to see you. Hello there, Pastor Thomas. Did you type wow? <laughs> yes, it's a wow time when we are in the presence of God. He is so amazing and he is forever present. Remember that the three words that we use to describe who he is, is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere present, and omnipotent, all-powerful, the almighty and wonderful God. Also, it is written in Psalm 19 that the heavens are constantly declaring his glory, that the firmament shows his handiwork. Uh, handiwork. You know, my father was a brick mason, and uh, he has, on occasion, driven. You know, uh, not driven me. He rides with me because my dad never drove, but he would tell me where to go, and he would point out buildings that he had helped to build, and he would explain to me the technical aspect of how that building came to be, uh, things that were amazing to me because, of course, I'm not a brick mason. And to me, brick masonry really is laying one brick on top of another and forming these walls that then connect and, uh, you know, turn into a, an abode somewhere where someone can live. But there was much more to it than that. And my father loved the craft. He always wanted to be and therefore he was, but he never got quite to be all that he wanted to be. He really wanted to be a contractor, but as a uh, a man who had come up, you know, in really post-slavery time, his mother had been a slave until she was 12 years old. My father also had um, a lot of Indian heritage, and so these were not the people of choice in America. But my dad studied that trade very much, and he was extremely good at it. He trained a lot of other young Masons because when he became a brick Mason, I think he was one of two in the in the area. So um, when we say that the firmament shows his handiwork, we are looking into the absolute uh constructed natural um, sky. And there's so much more to that sky than we can see. So when you start to study science and they begin to study the firmament, you will be amazed at what God really has done. And then the psalmist says that night unto night utters, uh, you know, bespeaks his knowledge, uh, the study of the stars and the moon and, you know, the circuit of all things around there is just amazing. It really is. My mom used to point out all of the 
stars that she she was she was a stargazer she loved that stuff and so she always was showing um us how to identify and she knew their names even till today i don't know all of them right but she would call them also by the common names so she called the big dipper and the little dipper you know and the uh, the lion and all these things she would show us in the night sky. And truly, I lived in Monroe in a, you know, off way off of the, the, the road there. And so there was not a lot of pollution in that sky. And when she showed it, I could always see it. It's amazing that God has wrought. He, he actually has his hand in all of this as it is written for us in Genesis it's wonderful. And so here we are in a new day where the mercy of God is also new, where it's written for us to know that the mercies of God meet us in each new day. The dawn bespeaks his mercy and the dispelling of darkness. And as we walk through this chapter, the book of John, this gospel, the way it is told by this disciple is one is it, it makes you so aware of Jesus Christ's divinity and we are in the portion of it where um only the words of Jesus Christ we're just hearing Jesus and him only right and he is giving a treatise as it were he is really talking about what shall be and what has been with regards to his ministry here on the earth. Last week, we were graced with the both testimony, which was really encouragement, and um, and the assistance of Tony Ritchie, who sat with us and left us with an astounding, wonderful moment where we as the disciples were placed before Christ and um made to understand what it is and what it means to be in his presence and to follow him. It was a very good rendering. And so tonight we're going to pick up with chapter 17. Once again, uh, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you know that these words are marked out in red to indicate that they were indeed spoken by Jesus Christ. Good evening, Light Touch. Good evening, Tony. Hi there. Uh, so glad that you are here and we're going to keep going. Uh, once again, I invite anyone who wants to sit in that co-host seat and become the host, really, uh, to read through. But we're just at the end. We're almost there. And the almost there is phenomenal because what is better than the, the ultimate outcome of the ministry of Christ in the earth? And that death and uh, resurrection and the ascension that has been reported by many, many, not just a few historians, but many. They have uh, recorded what happened during this era. So we can trust, if you trust anything in history, you can surely trust the words that have been recorded concerning Jesus Christ. Not only that, the people who recorded it themselves were not his disciples. They were recording history in uh, every case that I know of, except for the writers of the Bible itself, right? So we're going to start tonight with prayer 
because we're going into John chapter 17. And uh, I'm sorry, we're going into John chapter 18. Ooh. And we shall pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are so grateful to be again gathered here around your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. And as we read it, Lord God, we ask that you would allow our minds to actually pull it in, to have a perception of its meaning by the Spirit, reveal and make it real to us. Also that we would accept the word and be washed by it, be regenerated by it. It doesn't come necessarily in a moment, yet in a moment you can actually, Father, penetrate our very being so that we ascend into a spiritual place and it does become life. That's what we desire every time we read, Lord, in, in private or corporately, this way, together. Help us, my Lord, by your Spirit, show us and get us into the very core, crux, and meaning of your word. I ask that you would speak through my lips tonight and bring forth comment, Lord, from others that will be meaningful and that we, Lord God, will receive the nuggets that are meant just for us. And Lord, if there be anything spoken that is not of you, we ask you, Father, to rebuke it, bind it, and get rid of it for us that it may never trouble us ever again. And I ask you to surround us, clothe us, Lord, tonight, that we're walking in the full armor of God and that anything that comes in that is not of you, Lord, you will also get rid of that. You will rebuke it and it will be itself like darkness dispelled by the light here. We praise you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. Amen. Okay, so we're going now into these final moments that Jesus Christ has been talking about. He kept telling the disciples that he was going to go away and that they couldn't go with him in this uh, next journey, this next leg of the journey. They could not go. But at some point, he tells them that they can go. Amazing. Let's hear it now. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Whoa. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If, therefore, you seek me, 
let these go their way, that the same might be fulfilled which he spoke of. Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Pick up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Oh, guys, I want you to meditate. Just meditate with me. Hear these words from the very mouth of Jesus the Christ, getting ready to go to the cross to pay the sin debt for the entire world, the burden that shall be upon him. And yet he is now speaking with this kind of wisdom, calm, and yet authority. Shall I not drink it? Verse 12. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Now, it's funny we don't get the, this this uh, disciple's name. So remember, Jesus had more than the 12. There were more disciples. It is the 12 who were on the team and walked with him closely, right? Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of the man's disciples? He said, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why ask thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. Remember a witness. Remember the importance of the witness in the Jewish uh, uh, law and the faith. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, 
whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. And let me tell you, if Jesus says it, it is real. I don't care how much we deny what he says about us, what he sees in us and makes relevant and uh, and manifest to us. If he said it, you better believe it is true. Peter had said, no way, ain't no way. I'll never do it. I'll die for you. But Jesus said, Peter, <laughs> before the cock crows thrice, you will have denied me. Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And here we heard the three. As Simon Peter stood, I'm sorry, the trial, verse 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he should die. You see, he had already said so. If I be lifted up, remember when he said that, he is making reference to the way that he would die, and the people knew it. Then Pilate entered, verse 33, into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, say, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee? Once again, remember witness. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but you have a custom that I should release unto you one of the uh, one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? They cried, they all again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Who? this is really deep. This is wide. No, this is a lot to think on. They preferred a man that they were, I'm sure, very pleased to see go to jail because he was a thief. They preferred the thief. He must have been good at it too. They preferred the thief to the one who had done so much good, who had walked and taught with authority, who was he, he had committed nothing against anyone. He had only given 
what was true and what was good, and yet the people preferred the other. John chapter 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our own law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest not thou that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me to thee hath the greater sin. Wow. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover at about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Is it that these very people to whom Jesus Christ came, preferring the Roman Caesar over the king, God himself? <laughs> we have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place, the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. 
Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, all among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. You know, I say amen to, to, to what we have just witnessed here in, in God's word. This word is truly life, as Jesus Christ said. I am the word. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. I don't know if you ever just read the Bible and think to yourself, who in their right minds would write this and pass it off? as a truth without knowing that it, if it isn't true, it would fall apart, most assuredly, because the stuff that men write falls apart. It holds up, you know, in a few instances, but in eternity and in every situation, the best of all writings don't hold. But the word of God and anything that is written that is based on the word of God, if it is written true to the word of God, holds fast. These words Jesus has spoken in uh, the, the, the 18th chapter of John, where we see the betrayal. Judas had been received into fellowship, close fellowship. He wasn't just a disciple, like the man who, uh, you know, who show up to take his body off the cross and all that. He had been in, in the innermost circle of those disciples who had dinner with Christ at the Last Supper. You know, those who had walked and been trained uh, almost on a daily basis, those who had left their homes and who were with Jesus almost wherever he was, if he didn't get up and leave them for his own quiet time. Here it is, Jesus, uh, Judas. And God knew, Jesus Christ also knew, when he received him as one, he knew that he would be the one to betray him. He knew that he would be the one by, by uh, whom his own hour would come and be fulfilled. And yet he was in the position to do it. So when Jesus goes past the brook and into the garden, Judas knows it because he's been there. He has witnessed it. He has seen it. I find that amazing that you could know that the enemy is with you and treat the enemy as your brother. Hallelujah. When it is written, love your enemy, right? 
do good to those who despitefully use you. That's written. It isn't written just as good words or, you know, fine words to recite. It is written as a truth. And Jesus Christ mentored that out for us. Right here, right now, Judas in the garden, because he knows the garden. He knows that Jesus Christ would um, resort to the garden, that he would go there to be quiet. He knew it. And he takes in those who will cause Jesus Christ to be taken to death. It's um, a lot to take in, but we need to really contemplate it and take it in. And then uh, we go back to the the other the scripture. Let's look at verse eleven here. When the uh, Simon Peter draws a sword, and you know he, he's ready to go to war, I believe Peter would have gone to war quick, like and in a hurry. But Jesus didn't come to war with a government or a nation. He came to redeem, to save, to make a way for sinners to inherit, if they wanted, eternal life. To have once again a fellowship with the very creator, the person, the one, the power that made us all. And so when Peter uh, goes to defend him with this earthly defense, Jesus tells him to put up the sword. He says, this is the cup that my father has given me. Shall I not drink it? Now, in that I find, you know, this uh, 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 strict obedience, strict obedience, adherence to the faith that we say we own. We say we live in Christ, but do we really? When we so quickly will give it up for our own desires, when we will search out those things that make our flesh feel good, when we will protect ourselves from hard times, because we can, we do have that power, we can make those choices. And here it is, Jesus Christ stands as the power of all powers, being that he is when he ascends again, the fullness of God in the earth, he is the man in whom God is residing, is manifest, is being. And yet he says, shall I not drink it? This is what I came to do. This is the assignment that I have been given. Mm-mm-mm. Shall I not drink it? What a question. What a question. When we take up the work when we put our hands to that plow and we push and we push and we push and we tire and we are betrayed and people don't like us and they talk about us not knowing us and they envy and they do all that they do. Satan throws a thousand arrows your way. When you go back and you read the stories of those who have evangelized the world, that picked up the mantle of Paul the Apostle, there are so many who gave their lives that even the Bible could be in our hands, that we could have access 
to the very word that was written on the page because there was a time when we could not. And yet the word had come by way of those men who were carrying the gospel in the early days. The church has withstood so much antagonism, so many arrows. And God has appointed those who, like Christ, and Jesus Christ said that we would do the works that he does. He appointed these people throughout the ages, and they have taken the cup. They drank the cup. I remember last week I mentioned to you how my daughter, you know, I used to take the, the this, this magazine, Voice of the Martyrs, in which is an accounting of all those people who are still suffering in this way throughout the world. And she continues to take it. And I would read it, but it was a hard read. It's hard to read and to know that as a Christian, one could suffer so. In a modern world where you would think because it is modern and because we've been told that we are civilized, that no such things as these would take place. And yet they're still taking place. There are places where you cannot proselytize. You cannot go out and freely give this gospel. And God is walking because you see it is for a season that we live. It's really a short time. Before you know it, you have hopped from birth to the very death that we shall all inherit because we cannot take this flesh into the kingdom of God. Transformation must come. And it came by way, the possibility by way of the cross, the assignment that Jesus was given, that bitter cup he took and he drank it. In other words, he walked the way and made the way and paid the price and redeemed every man who would accept that gift. So when they ask him in the um, when verse 21, I think I am now. Uh, and the high priest asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus said to him, but I spoke openly to the whole world. I never taught in, in secret. I was in the synagogues and in the temple where, of course, you, the Jews, always come. And I have said nothing in secret. So why do you ask me? Why don't you ask them what I said? Now, you know, he was burning this man's heart. You know, that guy was on fire because Jesus Christ was speaking out of what he knows. The witness of who he is, is with those who now accuse him. He didn't do anything in secret. Everything was done openly. And yet he came to ask Jesus <laughs> about his doctrine. And Jesus just 
gets right back to him. You can ask anybody. Because I have not written anything that you cannot know about. I said it all. It was heard. You can handle that. And then Jesus says, if when this man smites him, if I have spoken the evil, bear witness of the evil. You see what he does? Give me the witness of what I've done. I, I've, there's a witness of what I've done. But if my, my work is evil, find the witnesses. Go ahead and do so. <laughs> but if I've done well, what is this all about? Why are you smiting me? Why are you beating me up here? Try to beat me for something I didn't do. Oh, my goodness. And then they go on. Now, John, the, the Gospel of John doesn't give us as much detail about this these happenings as the others. And I believe that he didn't do it because John has been on a mission to show us the divinity of Jesus Christ. He is giving us the the bare bones, the skeleton that that uh, is clothed in the righteousness and the will and the predetermined way that God would send his only begotten son, the light the word, the life, the truth into the world to do what he had to do to redeem us. And so we don't get the these gory details, but rather we get the beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did, who he is, how he moved. And it is a continual, singularly told story. It's like me, uh, you come up and you say, did you see the movie, whatever it was? And I say, yes, I did. Well, what did you think about the movie? I begin to tell you the details. You say, hold up, I don't want to know that. I just want to know what you thought about the movie. What was the movie about? Don't give me the details. I might want to watch it myself. Just tell me what it's about. So I give you a summary. I do not give you a restatement of the movie. That's what John is doing here. He summarizes, but he includes enough information for you and me to see this divine, beautiful thing that God has done in sending this only begotten son and how he is in the world, the manifest God, so that we can see and know what the law in the first place was all about. The fulfilled law, which is the beauty of God, who is love. That's Jesus Christ. Oh, praise be to God. I have some really great, great, um, to please Christ Jesus must was Christ said. Okay, there's so many comments, guys. I'm going to come back and read them. I'm sorry, I've been turning away. So here we see it. The other point that I really want to highlight before it gets too late, and I'm skipping a lot of things here. Um, when, uh, when Pilate met Jesus, right? Pilate was so reluctant. He was so resistant to um, condemn Jesus Christ to that cross. He said, I find no fault in him. 
I find no fault in him. We're in uh, chapter 19 now. I'm, I'm going to skip. And um, the Jews are still crying, crucify him, just crucify him. You know that I, I, when I read this, I say Pilate is trying to work his way out of being guilty of this crime. And when Pilate asks Jesus, he actually calls him what he is. He asks him, are you a king? And even when Jesus said, for this purpose, I was born. Yes, but my, my kingdom was out of work. Pilate understood that. And when he says to Jesus, what is truth? He is in the midst. Pilate is in the midst of that which is not true. Those events are so contrary to what Pilate himself discerns. He believes what Jesus Christ is saying. And in the fact that he must condemn him because the Jews now say we don't have a king and anyone who is not is of Caesar has no other king but Caesar. He put they pushed Pilate to do the deed. They pushed him to do it because I suppose in Roman times, if Pilate being uh, under the Caesar would have uh, gone against the law as these Jews are saying, and had um, gone against this event, they would um, accuse him of accepting Jesus as king. And he could not put himself in that kind of harm's way. But as he goes, he tells the Jews, behold, the man Behold your king. And he writes an inscription. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. See, he was not offending the Caesar in this. He recognized that Jesus was somebody really special. And therefore, he calls him king of the Jews. Is not that what he, that, that's who he was. That's who he came to be, but not just of the Jews. He was actually Pilate's king, too. <laughs> and then the Jews say, don't, don't put that up there. You should write that he said he was king of the Jews, and Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. We can tell that Pilate is resisting this. I listened to Ravi Zacharias for many years. And so you, more than anybody else uh, uh, except J. Vernon McGee, that you'll ever hear me quote, and my mother, of course, it will be Ravi Zacharias. A very powerful, powerful apologist evangelist. And the end of his life has been wrought with so much controversy. You know, he's been found guilty. And, and so the, the witness of Ravi has been uh, tampered with and, you know, like, like Satan can do. And maybe Ravi was guilty of some things. But Ravi Zacharias was, for me, a very important teacher in my life. He quotes, he makes a quote in one of his sermons when he's talking about, oh my gosh, the beauty of the communion with God. And he he quotes uh, this, uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a liner, you know, it's just one line, it's not a poem. And he says, the conscious water, in, in terms of Jesus turning the water to wine, the conscious water 
In other words, the water has also a conscience. It's an awareness. The conscious water saw its God, its master, and blushed. That water turned red in the midst of the chaos of the event, in the midst of them Oh, wow, wow, wow. You know, we were scuttering around. We have no more wine. We have no more wine. This is a wedding. We should have wine. You know, that that chaos that can come when things are out of order. That's what Pilate was doing. He was facing the master. And somehow in the chaos of what should have been truth was lies and deception, a chaos he could see. And he blushed back. Even those uh, uh, guards and the soldiers who went in to get him, when he they asked, we came for you. Who, whom do you see? Jesus of Nazareth. And I am he, those words, I am he, I am he. Truth hit them and they fell back. That's what God does when you are in his presence. I don't care what you say you don't believe. I don't care how much people have convinced you. When you really are in the presence of Almighty God, when he shows up, you must to bow and recognize. You become as that water in the face of its God, and you too will blush into whatever it is that you're supposed to be. Hence, our worship is so important. We live day by day, morning by morning, evening by evening, every day, all day with our minds someplace else, mostly on us. What did they say to me? How did they act towards me? What should I do to make me uh, happy? How shall I succeed? What will I do? That is the ultimate sin of man, to be so self-focused, to be so self-determined, to be so decisive in everything that we think we know. <laughs> Look and live is a song. Look, if I be lifted up, I will draw. Look at that cross. See what God did there, right? Allow the drawing to take place, not just to say, listen, and I'm going to tell you, if you know him like I know him, if you've ever encountered him the way I have encountered him, and I am nobody special, he has no special folks. All of us are in his eyes special. But if you do it, you will have to admit that there's something in me <laughs> that needs to go. There's a lot in me because you look to the beauty and the wonder of God and the love that is poured for. I wrote a poem and in that poem, I can't remember the poem. I wish I had opened it tonight. It is written in there, uh, a line that is something like this. Um, uh, God's love, the cross. God's love. The cross. God's love. The cross. That's where we see it. That's when we know. 
and whoever God is, wherever he sits, as people will ask so many questions. And I understand the questioning, the, the nature of man is to want to be able to solve the mystery, right? So we ask these crazy questions as if we actually are ever going to solve whatever it is that is mysterious in our minds. Because if God is God, there is no way that you can solve it. And I cannot either. He is high above my thinking, his knowledge, his brilliance, his capacity is way, way, way beyond mine. And it's beyond Einstein's and it's beyond, you know, the guys who did all the math. It's beyond the pyramids and that amazing, we wonder how they did it, you know, and how did Nimrod and all those guys build, they were building the tower to heaven. And listen, they were getting there because Jesus, I mean, God said, we better stop these guys if they get there. If they get there, if they keep going, if they're in unity, they will get there. There are principles that exist that cannot, the Lord knows them, and he, he made them. So then, we, we, we will never figure it all out, but that beauty is there. It is manifest. It is proof. It is demonstration. It is truth right before us. Pilate met it. Those Jews did too. But in their jealousy, because the Bible says that it was for jealousy that they crucified him, they simply were really also seeing their God and blushing. They were in their place. They were doing what they, the God had already knew. He knew they would do it. So the, the, the plan he devised, you know, he knows every character, every line in the script. He knows it and he knows how the thing will be accomplished. And so as much as they thought they were right, they did what was needful that Jesus Christ might finish the work. And he did. And we are blessed because he did. We are the beloved because he did. Hallelujah. This is a very important read for me. This is, oh my goodness, this has been for me such an amazing, an amazing encounter with God's word such that I have not had in a very long time. And I haven't stopped reading the word and I haven't stopped being amazed. But the book of John ordained by the Lord for me to listen through it as I have done and to expound and to just sit here and contemplate and to listen and listen and listen because he knows me and he knows what I'm after. And he knew exactly how to get me to the treasure that I seek. Praise his name. I say good evening to you all. Fresh in space is light touch. Tony, uh, I think I saw a teen. Hi there, it's good. And it is written by a light touch. Awesome. Love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How can I not praise him? I am with you, my dear friend. How can I not praise him? My sister in blood and Christ. 
uh, Freshen says, blessed is the reminder that we will soon leave this place. So we choose his way amid temptation to falter. Absolutely. Because it's always there. That is that 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 temptation walks beside you. You know, when the psalmist says, uh, forgive me of uh, familiar presumptuous sins and let me walk not with familiar, the familiar spirits. Yeah, well, this stuff is familiar because we are shaped in it. You know, it's always there and we recognize it before we recognize the spirit, the real good and the truth. However, when we are born again, of the spirit, you transform, you change, you begin to recognize the good first. And even though the battle may rage over some issues, the Holy Spirit is there always to guide, to direct. And if we will hear him, he will take us always in the right path. Remember, the way is narrow. Amen, freshen, even while I'm dredged in my sin. So says light touch. Yes, I choose his uh, his way amid the temptations to falter. I concur. Freshen writes again, Jesus is so worth it all. Gives us a place of knowing our potential for failure. Praise be to our God for his mercy. And uh, freshen says, yes, how self-saturated we are. Look on him. Be glad and wowed by him. I love that. Just be wowed by him because he is all that and so much more. Just think about it, guys. If he has allowed us a glimpse into his divine being, what will it be like when we actually are in his continual presence. I don't know if we'll ever be able to actually look directly at him, but we're going to be in such a place that the glory that he is will shine so bright that we do not need the sun. Hallelujah. There will be no night there. No darkness will ever, ever hinder us again. We will walk on streets of gold. It is written and the doors of this heaven that we will enter are made of the fine stones of the earth. It's going to be an amazing place. Close your eyes and ask God to give you a glimpse into it. So just take me for a moment, God, away from the mundane, that earthly stuff, this bound, you know, position, this uh, inertia that keeps me from rising. And let me experience just in a moment how wonderful, first of all, you are, how wonderful you are in that you cared enough to die for me, make it real personal because personal it really is. He died for me and for my stupidity and for my blindness and for my inability to see and for my wicked heart and for those thoughts that I let play in my mind. Oh, until you redeemed me until you gave me new life, until I became a new creature. And even then, God, by your reckoning, I still walk into 
the very salvation. I am walking into the maturity. I didn't get it yet, but I shall because you made the promise. Hallelujah. Be wowed by him. He wrote, I am the vine. You are the branch. If you abide in me, you can ask what you will. If you abide in me, you'll do great things. But without me, you can do nothing because the branch cut off from the vine withers up, becomes firewood, and it's cast into the fire. Hallelujah. Be wowed. By him. <clears throat> Praise God. Pastor Thomas, yes, Lord, help your people. Yes, Lord, help us, Father. But you know, I say, transform us, Lord. Cause us to submit. Really, day by day, every day. Even, you know, the Lord told me once I was really in a, um, it, it was my job. And I had been, you know, this person at that job. I was doing what I normally do. I don't think I had hurt anyone's feelings. But for some reason, two people got so uh, against me. And they began to just talk and talk and talk. And I knew it. And one of them was a, she had been in my home. Her children had been at my house. They had been, we were friends. And it wasn't just a, you know, a casual this or that. I can take all that. I'm not usually hurt if you go and say, oh, you know, Phyllis, you know, she's a wild child or whatever you say. That doesn't really bother me at all. But this was my own familiar friend saying about me things that were not true. And instead of coming to me, if they had been true, she was in league with a serious enemy. And there was another woman there who was a receptionist, and she would say, honey, baby, walk with your head up, because she was hearing it long before I was. Jesus loves you, Miss Helen. I shall never forget Miss Helen. And I began to get wind of this thing and I was feeling very hurt and I was complaining to the Lord. And you know what the Lord said to me? Be me in that place. Never mind, he said. It is as you see it, but your task is to be me. <laughs> and it was only by the strength that he gave me every day that I was able to walk in that place and keep that smile on my face and to do good by those who were doing ill to me. You see, you must know him so that he can work in you to do his good pleasure. And if the cup is yours to drink, like Jesus Christ, you say, I must take it. Shall I not drink of the cup? This is what my father sent me to do. Shall I not drink it? By the way, guys, we can never 
die for the, we, we'll never bear the burdens of the whole world as Jesus Christ did, because he already did it. We will simply bear the burdens of uh, our own flesh, first of all, and we might be called upon to help a group or to do something beyond your own little, you know, square where you live or your own little circle of whatever it is you're in and out of. But you don't have to bear the sins of the whole world. God has already done that. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up. See, when a thing is lifted up, everybody can see it. <laughs> You know, when we go out and we see fireworks, they're way up in the sky and they can be seen for a long, sometimes a couple of miles around, you can see it. When you walk up to the top of the Empire State Building, at one time it was the tallest building in the world, it no longer is, I mean, in the in, in the in the U.S., I think the world maybe, and you could see a long way off, right? But this cross, the lifting up of the cross, wasn't about how high it was lifted up. It was about how effective the lift up was and what it was deemed to do. And it did it. And for all these years, no matter what arrows the enemy has hurled to destroy this truth, it is still alive. And if you and I take up the mantle and become a witness not just, you know, sometimes I think people uh, think that a witness is to go, you're going out and you're just saying stuff, you know, right? No, it's it's being ready to uh, take up a cause when, first of all, the Lord speaks. And secondly, it is to live it out. Live it out. Just live it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness Thank you for your love. Thank you. Father, deliver us from our own focuses. When we are foci, whatever the plural of that is, when we get too inwardly turned, let us be by the Holy Spirit once again made aware and open our eyes to really see and to walk and be led by your eye, not our own. Keep before us the coming glory beyond the glory of the day. That coming glory, when Jesus Christ shall come through those skies, when we will hear the trumpet sound, whether we're dead or alive, we're going to hear it. Because the word says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Hallelujah. And then those of us who will remain will be caught up and ever live and reign with him. Praise his name. Praise his name. You know, me and uh, my sister and, and Wanda and Yvette, sometimes we would all be together and our theme song was, He's sweet, I know. He's sweet. He is so sweet. Storm winds may... Uh, blow, I mean, dark clouds may come or something and the storm winds may blow, but I'll tell the world wherever I go that I found a savior and he's sweet. So sweet. So sweet. I know. He's 
a fragrance that you never smelled before. And as this uh, this pastor wrote on those very words that I spoke tonight, the conscious water saw its God and blushed. He writes that Jesus Christ can uh, enter our chaos, our those situations, and he turns even the chaos into creation. He uh, turns the mundane into the marvelous. He turns the water into the wine. Glory to God. Glory to the only wise God. And to him be power and majesty, dominion and power and all that there can be, it be. It is from our Father. Jesus is so worth it all. Give us a place to know our potential for failure. Praise be to God for mercy. This is from Night Touch. Hallelujah. I just love it. You know, your fellowship with me is just the best. I never feel or never, hey, ain't no feel to this. I'm never prepared really fully to handle any of God's word. However, by faith, I sit here and know that he will say something meaningful, something that will bless my soul. And surely enough, I am never disappointed. And it doesn't matter if I'm sitting here or you are in that chair. It doesn't matter who's, who's talking. It is by the Spirit of God that we receive something that we never heard in that way before. Light Touch writes, Hallelujah, God's perfect plan of redemption for my life. Great show, good restful evening to everyone. All praise be unto God. I ask that you would pray for my friend's husband who has been suddenly taken very ill. Suddenly, in a moment, our lives can be so changed and challenged. Pray that God will strengthen him and bring him through this event, this chaos. That the Lord will, as he did to that water, let him see his face. Let him see him and blush and be healed and walk again. Father, for all these who are here, as you prayed for us, you actually prayed for us. You prayed for your disciples, but you said, I pray not for those in the world, but for them and for those who will hear their words, that you keep them. Keep us, my Lord God, keep us. Listen, it's a given. You already said you would, that you would lose not one of us. Awaken us to your truth. Awaken us to your ways. And Lord, where we are weak in our obedience to you, give us strength to actually make those choices. 
that will lead us in the narrow way and therefore lead us straight to you every time and make us remember and know that you always have a ram in the bush. You always make a way of escape and whatever we are escaping delivers us to that which is divinely purposed for our lives and therefore it will be and is good. I honor you and I give you praise and I thank you, Father, for being in our midst. I thank you for every word shared. I thank you for every one of those beautiful hearts that just float, you know, just float right up my uh, uh, screen on my phone. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for Tony, for Pastor Thomas, for Light Touch, for my daughter, for Anna Kane, for friends, Weems, and whoever else came in Jesus' name, for my sister Teen. I thank you for them. And I ask you, Lord God, to really multiply blessings to them. You know what they need greater than I do. You know so much more about them. Father, in our bodies, I ask you to mend anything that is torn and in chaos there. Let our bodies, the very inside of us, see you, Lord God. And as the water was turned to wine, let those things in us that are not what they should be become what they should be. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. As per usual, I should say, we have so well dined. We have been sitting at the Master's table. He is the bread of life. And when we break this bread, we are nourished from head to toe and beyond. Thank you for our families. Keep them all. Draw our children into an understanding of who you are. Cause them also to accept this great salvation if they have not already. Show them, Father, the great and marvelous things that you continue to show us as we come together or separately in private, we visit you in your word. Wash us and clean us. Wash them. And with that, I say to all of you, thank you so much for being a part of this. Leave comments always. Write me, call me, do whatever, text me. <laughs> Send me an email. Share with me. You teach me. I love it. By the Spirit of God. And we shall convene again if our God so designs, and I believe it is His will, next week, when we shall finally see the amazing glory of the ascended Christ. The end of the work has already come, and all we get to see now is the glorified Christ ascending to his Father. Good night all.